This is Alex Medford from Denver, Colorado, coming to you from sunny Maui, Hawaii, and you're listening to the Pro Hockey News Podcast. Hello, hockey fans from around the world. I am Richard Cote, the producer of the Pro Hockey News Podcast. It is the second line edition of the podcast, and you know what that means. No, it's not that I am everyday people. It means I am joined by the publisher of ProHockeyNews.com, Lou Lafredo. Lou, how are things in New Mexico? You're going to have to warn me about the spit takes from, from <laughs> now on. Uh, uh, we're, we're doing well down here. We, we hit freezing a couple of times, but uh, uh, it's really nice down here. Excellent, excellent. It also means we are joined by everybody's favorite snarky Canadian, Jacob Doherty. Jacob, how are you doing? Good. I don't know if I'm the favorite Starkey Canadian because Letterkenny is a really, really good show. Okay, well, you're our favorite Starkey Canadian. You know what? <laughs> Outside of us, nothing else really matters. <laughs> you have to watch Letterkenny, though. Okay. <laughs> Can we get it down here in the States? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Just making sure. All right, uh, listeners, this edition of the Pro Hockey News Podcast is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves Merchandise Store. Head over to chicagowolvesstore.com, enter in code PHN15, get 15% off your purchase, and get a hold of one of the sweetest logos in minor league sports. Again, thanks to the Chicago Wolves for being a sponsor of the Pro Hockey News Podcast. Fellas, I, I have a little bit of a rant today, and you know what? This is a little blast from the past. i I'm thinking about the last time I've actually had a trade go through in fantasy hockey. Um, I'm in a fantasy hockey this year. Uh, Jacob, you're part of it as well. Oh, um, <laughs> you forgot about it, didn't you? Oh, yeah. OK, well, um, I, I just with the group of people that I'm usually in these fantasy hockey leagues with trades don't typically go through. And I have a hard time, you know, putting together a compelling trade. Usually it's a one for one and. Someone's just like, no, I don't want that because obviously you want this person and I just want to spite you. Um, so I was thinking about the years that I've done fantasy hockey and, and back into college was probably the last time I've had a trade successfully go through. And there's an interesting story behind that. It was about 2006, 2007. Uh, we were entered into a, uh, a fantasy hockey league with a, a guy who was a big Pittsburgh Penguins fan. And before the league even drafted, before anything else, he, he declared to everybody, I call dibs on Crosby. Nobody draft Crosby number one. Well, obviously, everybody else in the league put Crosby at the top of their list. So somebody was bound to draw him, and it wasn't the Pittsburgh Penguin fan. And he would keep throwing trades and trades at us, being like, I want Crosby, I want Crosby, I want Crosby. We would just trade him around week to week between everybody but him for the entire season and it was glorious it was fantastic all right so with that out of the way let's head over to the uk let's check in on uh one of my favorite segments bangers and mash lou take it away yeah so last week we did uh the eihl um we thought we would start alternating and um start with um the nihl south two and we'll give you the top two, and it's the Guildford um, Phoenix are taking the lead so far in their division. They've won all six of their matches this season. Um, and then the Cardiff Fire. Now keep in mind, this is the second tier underneath um, the EIHL. Uh, and the 
Carter Fire actually tied, but have um, played one more game, and they've only lost one of those. Um, in the NIHL South, uh, the other South two, um, excuse me, it's uh, the North two. Excuse me, uh, it's the uh, the Telford Tigers um, are have only played a few games. In fact, this this division hasn't played much at all. But the Telford Tigers, uh, the uh, team two, is in the top uh, top of the field. The South one, um, my favorite team this year, actually most years, because our favorite uh, UK writer um, has played for Streaking, um, and that is um, they are they've gone through thirteen games so far this season. They're eleven wins, one loss, and one overtime win. Um, the Streaking. Um, uh, are just running away with this division. <laughs> uh, they've got 24 points at, uh, to the next team back is 14, uh, has 14 points. So they've got a 10-point lead in the division. Um, and the reason why um, it's uh, um, David Carr, Carzi, uh, played the street uh, when he was still an active player in the NIHL. So um, I've taken to following the street and plus they're out of London. London is just my favorite city. Um, uh, out of the North One, uh, we've got the Whitney Warriors are up in the top spot after eight games. Uh, they've won four in regulation. Four, they've got two overtime wins, and they've only lost two games. Um, and so they're actually doing fairly well, and they are just two points up on the Solway Sharks. Um, and I'm trying to find the Slow Jets. Um I think I misplaced the slow jets. I don't think they've caught up yet. Just, no, it's just one of the greatest, <laughs> just one of the greatest team names in it. And it's just, um, you know, it's just one of those things. Um, over in the national uh, division, uh, Sheffield Steel Dogs are uh, holding down the top spot uh, by one point over the Telford Tigers number one team. So um, that is the NIHL wrap for the, for the week. And uh, we're hoping to get uh, either Carzi or Michael Black uh, to come in and uh, uh, do a recording for the, for the next time around the NIH. I was going to ask you where we were with getting uh, Carzi here on the podcast. Um, he is just traveling like crazy and, and submitting. He's posting photographs on his Twitter account that are just stunning. And, and um I just want to go and sit with him for an hour in some of these spots. It's just gorgeous um, Mediterranean uh, coast uh, views and just unbelievable. But uh, the idea is to get Carzi to come in uh, to do the NIHL South, which he has done for us for years. And uh, now Michael Black uh, is taking care of the NIHL one or North, excuse me, um, so that handles uh, Wales and Scotland, and, uh, the North North Country and, uh, and Britain. So um, it'd be great to have them come on. Uh, we need to work out the details on the tickets. You, you know, a great way to bring them on is to bribe them with some jewelry from LDE Affinity Jewelry. If you are looking 
to make amends with somebody or to show somebody how special they are in your life, head over to ProHockeyNews.com, click the banner ad for LDE Affinity Jewelry, and check out everything that they have. Uh, you are just <laughs> That just popped into my head. I, I told Adam I'm going to be working on these on these these ads and just a, a good segue into them, and I feel like that was just the, the right moment. It just felt right. I wore all of mine at my uh, at a gig that I had on Saturday. It was all the skulls. Yeah, I uh, unbelievable. Thank you. Yeah. So let's uh, let's come back here to the to the North American continent, and let's take a look at the minor leagues. We have a little bit of an update in the ECHL. Not so much in the standings right now. We'll get to that here in just a second. Uh, something we brought up last week on the first line, uh, Adam and I were talking about this, um, the Newfoundland Growlers, um, they're banned from their home arena. We, we covered that. Uh, sounds like there was, um, you know, inappropriate workplace going-ons over there. We're, we're not sure exactly what that was. Um, they're still locked out of their home arena, but they were set to play in the Toronto Marlies arena but that agreement never came through. Uh, luckily, they were able to reach an agreement uh, to play their first six games um, in an arena just south. It's still in the Newfoundland area, just south of um, uh, of where they normally play right now. Uh, it is the uh, Conception Bay South Arena. Uh, they'll be playing their first six first six home games there, which I believe one is going on right now as we speak. Um, so they do have something set up there, but they are still not able to play in their normal home arena. Uh, still trying to figure out exactly what's going on there. Uh, we'll bring you the latest as soon as more developments come into that. Um, but staying in the ECHL, let's check out the standings. Um, as we've had, you know, a couple of weeks of play in the league. Um, speaking of the Newfoundland Growlers in the North Division, we have the Growlers in the number one spot with, um, pardon me, with eight points. Uh, the Reading Royals in the number two spot with five points. The Maine Mariners with four points in the number three spot. And the Adirondack Thunder with three points in the number four spot. Well, that's confusing. Um, let's go to the South Division. The Norfolk Admirals are in the number one spot with eight points. The Jacksonville Icemen. Lou, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, you and I were on a team in New Mexico. We were called the Icemen. Uh, they're in the number two spot uh, with five points. The South Carolina Stingrays are in the number three spot with four points and tied uh, in points. Uh, the Orlando Solar Bears in the number four spot. Going to the central, we have the Toledo Walleye with six points uh, at the top of the division. The Cincinnati Cyclones right behind them also with six points. The Kalamazoo Wings with four points in the number three spot. And the Wheeling Nailers rounding out your top four with four points. Uh, Last division, the Mountain Division, my favorite division. The Utah Grizzlies at the top of that division with eight points. With six points, the Tulsa Oilers. Also with six points, the Idaho Steelheads in the number three spot and rounding out your top four, the Rapid City Rush with five points. Um, I know that the season is a little young, Lou, but uh, are there any takeaways within the first couple of weeks of competition that, that you've noticed in the ECHL? Um, Norfolk Admirals, 
uh, being in the top spot in that in that South division. Um, the uh, Norfolk has been something of a doormat uh, for the ECHL for the last few years, and um, seeing them up in the that top spot is is a bit encouraging because they've had some real problems uh, drawing fans over the last few years. So um, hopefully they can keep that up. Um, Newfoundland, yeah, I mean. We've got some some issues there. They've having to play on the road, um, and then have um, this this dislocation uh, come up. But one of the things that is interesting out of the ECHL is a new team coming in next season. Uh, the Savannah Ghost Pirates. Excellent name. Enter, yes, and it's a great <laughs> it's a great logo. It's it's a little bit of a mean Casper the Ghost, Casper the Friendly Ghost. Uh, it's a little mean, but um, it's <laughs> you know what? It's it's not hokey. Um, but they they've done a really nice job um, and are really uh, pimping themselves out on the uh, on social media. So it's good to see. So let's um, let's take our focus over to the AHL and uh, something, Lou, I, I know is on the Pro Hockey News website right now. Um, the AHL is announcing a new club to start next season, and yes. we're, we're getting even more hockey to be played in Southern California. Um, the uh, sorry, I lost my place on the rundown here. Um, the uh, hey, Philip. Hold on. Got our uh, yes. Sorry, had our assistant producer here interrupting. Um, Yeah, the Coachella Valley uh, Firebirds are going to be starting next season. They are going to be the affiliate of the Seattle Kraken. Um, Lou, uh, can you kind of tell us a little bit about? I I, I know, I I believe you wrote the story on this. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, you know what we're going to expect out of the Firebirds? Um, this could, uh, the reason they didn't come in sooner, um, that uh, the Kraken didn't come in sooner with an AHL, their own AHL affiliate, is they're building a new arena down in uh, Coachella Valley. Um, so that's the reason for them coming in next season. Um, they've been sharing affiliates with other teams. And so this could be a, a neat destination. Um, the, the social media push by uh, the Kraken and, and the eight, their, their new uh, the Firebirds. Um, boy, I got to tell you, <laughs> I, I want to move to Palm Springs. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, uh, what they've done, uh, highlighting Palm Springs and really kind of um, making this um, des- making this a destination. Um, for a trip is just really a special kind of effort is being done. Um, and, and they've done a really nice job and Coachella Valley, how can you beat it? You know? Right. Um, um, plus, you know, you want to talk about another neat uh, logo. Yeah. Uh, this one is, there's, there's no hockey stick anyplace. <laughs> they have not anthropomorphized the firebird. Um, uh, this one is just all me. It's yeah. uh, it's not <laughs> it's not ghost pirates mean cute or cute mean. Uh, this one is uh, this is just a mean looking uh, logo. So 
Yeah. Congratulations to them pulling it off. So th- this is going to make like what the third uh, minor league team in like the Southern California area. We got well, Bakersfield. Um, you have San Diego, and now Coachella Valley. Uh, you have Ontario, San Diego, Coachella Valley, Stockton, um, 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 and Bakersfield. Oh, and um, let's not forget we also have uh, San Jose. Yeah. Oh uh, well. So that's, that's granted, not it's not really su- it's southern, not southern. Yeah. No. Um. But imagine, you know, um, travel costs are going to go down for all of those California teams. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, probably, I can't imagine um, that you wouldn't pull Abbotsford into into that division. Um. Boy, you know. Uh, uh, Colorado. Yeah, this could rework, um, um, rework the division out there. And but you're right. I mean, uh, you know, but that uh, Bakersfield, um, Stockton. So what is it? Five, five teams. Yeah, and you know, it, this kind of got me thinking too when I heard the announcement of uh, the Coachella Valley uh, Firebirds coming in next season. Um, and kind of the the want for parent NHL clubs to want to keep their at least their AHL affiliates somewhat close. Uh, Southern California not terribly close to Seattle, but at least it's in the same time zone. Uh, flights not terribly long, maybe like what, we're talking a couple hours flight uh, to get from Seattle to uh, to the Coachella it's Valley around area. Hour around an hour flight, two hours. Okay. Two hour. Okay. So about a two hour flight. I was about to say, I flew from San Francisco to San Diego and it was like an hour and a half. Um, so, I mean, not, not terribly hard to, to transfer players at least quickly if you need them in an emergency. But uh, I guess we're, we're kind of spoiled here in Colorado where we have the Colorado Eagles up in Loveland and then uh, like a two hour drive if there's a bunch of traffic you get here to Denver and you can have your, your player here in a couple of hours again, if, and there usually is a bunch of traffic. So, um, I mean, at least they're keeping it in the same time zone is, is kind of what I'm getting at. So, I mean, I'm excited to see what, what they're going to bring to the AHL. It's going to be, going to be a lot of fun. Um, let's take a look at the standings of the AHL. Let's take a look at the Atlantic division. We have the Springfield Thunderbirds in the number one spot with 12 points. Hershey Bears in the number two spot with 10 points. The Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins in the number three spot with 11 points. I am so surprised I did not trip over the name there. The Hartford Wolfpack rounding out your top four also with 11 points. In the North Division, the Utica Comets, um, oddly enough, uh, I think I have, um, I've got to have this setting wrong. I have them in the number one spot with eight points. No, that can't be right. Well, let me. Uh, he's played 68. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I might have to redo this here. Hold on. Let's, uh, I mean, um, yeah, we got uh, Atlantic. We have uh, Springfield, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Hartford, and then Hershey as far as points go. Uh, Cleveland Monsters, that, I was like, there's no way they could be below uh, the Utica Comets with 11 points. Uh, Cleveland Monsters with 11 points. The Rochester Americans with 10 points. The Syracuse Crunch with 
nine points and the Lovell Rockets with nine points as well. In the Central Division, the Chicago Wolves with 10 points leading that division. The Iowa Wild with eight points in second place. The Manitoba Moose with eight points in the third spot. And the Texas Stars rounding out your top four with six points. And in the Pacific Division, the Ontario Reign leading with 15 points. The Stockton Heat with 11. Bakersfield Condors, we were just talking about them, with 8 points. And the Abbotsfield Canucks. I'm so glad that they are using that alternative logo there uh, with 8 points, rounding out your top 4. All right, so that does it for the uh, standings in the AHL. Let's head over to the uh, Premier League, if you will, if you're a soccer fan or if you're a fan of any other sport. The NHL. Uh, we, we have a, a few things happening here in the, in the Chell, as they like to call it. Um, Ottawa has a new captain. And I don't think it's any surprise. Boys, Kachuk will be wearing the C for the Senators. Jacob, being a little bit closer to Ottawa than uh, those of us here in the States, uh, how, what, what are your thoughts on uh, naming Kachuk as the captain? Oh, it's a no-brainer. Um, Matthew J- or Brady Tuchuk has been a very good leader. He is the heart. He's one of the uh, big heart and soul pieces of that team. Um, you expect expect Tim Stutzel to have an A next to his name fairly soon. All right, Lou. Any reaction? No, I'm with I'm with uh, Jacob on that. It's it, it, it was a no-brainer. Uh, probably the only thing that was holding it back from the sooner was him uh, getting up to speed after signing the contract and getting this. Yeah. Um, so as uh, he was asked about uh, the captaincy and whether or not it's going to change the way he plays, uh, you know, uh, Brady Kachuk had told uh, – reporters. I don't think it's going to change who I am one bit. It is definitely an added responsibility, but I'm still going to be the same person who comes in with a smile on my face, just happy to go to work with all my best buddies. Um, you know, that's, um, that's about the only response I think you can uh, ask for from somebody who is going to be your captain, a very diplomatic response stating, okay, I'm going to wear the C things are going to be the same. They're not, but they're going to be the same. Um, so uh, kudos to Kachuk for uh, becoming the next captain of the Senators. Um, just thought that that was a, a noteworthy movement there. Um, there. There is there is a big story here that, that happened in the NHL earlier this week, and I know Lou has a lot to say about it. <laughs> I'm excited but, for this. But we're going to save it. We're going to save it. I'm going to tease just a little bit. We're going to save it for after this next um, piece here, because I know Jacob's going to have a lot to say about this next one. Uh, The return of Carey Price in Montreal. Uh, Sounds like he is going to be coming back soon, uh, but uh, any details about when he's going to return to play with the club are still uncertain. Um, Jacob, I I assume you've been following this rather closely. Yeah, I, I don't actually know what's happening. I don't think a lot of people know what's happening here, right? Um, but it sounds like uh, he's he's due to uh, return to to the club at least for 
like any sort of conditioning, maybe some practices. Um, but as far as any time frame of when he's actually going to be competing, uh, that is what remains unclear. Uh, he's, um, he's going to be returning with them after the weekend on Monday. He'll be returning with the club. Um, but yeah, he's, he's not going to be in the lineup, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, sounds like he's at least making progress with whatever it was that was holding him back there that he went to go seek help for. So, um, I'm, I'm, you know, as, as setting myself aside from any sort of, you know, bias of being a fan of any sort of club, um, just seeing a, a player who went out to seek help and start to come back and it sounds like it's on his terms, um, really kind of gives me hope that, we're starting to round a corner as far as any sort of behavioral or mental health help for professional athletes. Yeah, I, I genuinely hope it is on its terms because this also was the minimum uh, amount of time that he could have spent in the program. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that it's not because he's not coming back immediately because of the um, pressure with Montreal being as close to the bottom of the league as they are. Uh, I hope it's not like that. But we we can't know that. Uh, We probably won't know that unless he explicitly says it, say, down the road at some point in time. But I'm very very hopeful that he did get the help that he needed. Right. Uh, Lou, your your thoughts on the uh, potential return of Carey Price? I'm actually a little surprised at how little fanfare there's been. Um, I, I expected, you know, Canadian nation, Montreal nation to you know, uh, stand up and cheer. And I think that's more to your point, Richard, and that is that I think we may have turned a minor corner. Now, hopefully it's not into a cul-de-sac. <clears throat> but it turned a corner where the recognition is that Carey Price uh, stepped away uh, for his own his own benefit, um, and with the intention of returning a stronger player, a stronger person, um, which would translate into being a stronger player. So, um, I, I I'm on your side of uh, that. Maybe we did turn a corner, and and that needs to be encouraged and. Um, Stand up so my thoughts on on his return and why we're not seeing so much fanfare and so much celebration is one well we don't know when he's going to come back to compete so this is still a, a fairly minor step in in the mm-hmm. progress that he's made and I, I understand that and I think second is especially when he went into the program um, yeah it was a big name going into the program but still there was still kind of a lack of of um, kind of rumors flying around it as to why there wasn't a whole lot of speculation. And I think it's because he tends to be a a private citizen outside of hockey. Um, So I I think he kind of keeps to himself and he's not really um, engaged with uh, anybody outside of his social circle. So I think that's why we're not seeing the big, um, you know, pomp and circumstance that, you know, oh, he's returning. He, he's he's taking one step closer to being able to play. Uh, yeah, but I, I think it's just 
he's just not that kind of person. Agreed. Um, you know, when you when you're forming quotes in post game reports, uh, it's not frequent. It's not often. I guess is the better way to put it that that Carey Price is 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 quotable. So uh, this is what he's going through is an extension of what we see in, uh, in an active season. Yeah. So um, so we we got. That's kind of uh, coming through uh, earlier today. Uh, let's talk about something that happened earlier in the week and kind of caught me by surprise. Lou, I hit you up on Twitter with this one. I wanted to get your reaction, but I was like, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. We got to wait for the podcast to get a genuine reaction. Um, I, I think your prediction has come true. Jack Eichel has been traded. Yeah, I so... <clears throat> Let's take the positives first. Um, in the long run, this is, from my perspective, um, this is a positive for the Buffalo Sabres. Um, this is the second of the two dark clouds uh, that were hanging around the franchise. Um, um, whether they handled it well, poorly, um, or not, um, I I never have been a Jack Eichel fan. I just I um, I think he dragged the Sabers down despite all of that talent packaged up in in a number nine. So um, it was a bit of a surprise um, when <laughs> went on to NHL.com. <laughs> And find out that he's been traded to uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, and what really surprised me about this trade was it didn't seem like, and Jacob, you'll probably correct me if I'm wrong, it didn't seem like any of his salary was retained by Buffalo. It was not. There was no salary retention. Right, and to, to, the guy is still on the long-term IR. He is, he has not been in training camp. He has not played any of this season. I, I mean, he is still a phenomenally talented athlete, but is there something that Vegas knows that we don't, that they would be willing to take on that contract, trading a few pieces that didn't really add up to what they were going to have to take on for Eichel? So... There is going to be a lot of anger in a few months because the timeline for him to, for him to return is three to five months. Yeah. If they wait the full five months for safety purposes, which I'm, I'm just going to go out on a whim and assume that they're going to do that, especially for this kind of surgery. They want to make sure it's 110% and they don't risk anything. So that's playoff time. Guess what doesn't matter during the playoff time? As we all learned... Last season, <laughs> the salary cap, and they're going to do just as bad of a cap circumvention as uh, Tampa Bay did last season with Kucherov, but somehow with a worse contract. Yeah, they uh, what he signed for five, four six. more years, five more years, a while. 
Yeah, at ten million a piece, it's um, yeah. So let, let's talk about what Vegas gave up to get uh, to get Jack Eichel. Uh, the Buffalo Sabers acquired Alex Tuck and Peyton Krabs. A combined salary of let's say six million dollars. They also gave up a 2022 conditional first round pick and a 2023 conditional first round pick. Conditions of the first, uh, the 2022 pick is if the pick is in the top 10, Vegas will instead transfer their 2023 first round pick to Buffalo. And the conditions of the 2023 pick, their second round pick, if Vegas's uh, first round pick in the 22 draft, same thing. If it's uh, Vegas will then transfer their 2024 second round pick. So um, a lot of conditional pieces uh, being thrown in there for Buffalo. What Vegas gets, they get Jack Eichel and a 2023 conditional third round pick. With the condition, if Vegas's first round pick in the 2022 draft is a first is a top 10, then Buffalo will transfer their 2024 third round pick instead. Um, the net change in uh, salary, if you're interested, from our friends over at Cap Friendly, um, the net change for Buffalo is they just saved themselves $4.3 million. Uh, Vegas just took on $4.3 million in a team that really has no cap room. They have even less now, but it is um, uh, long-term IR, so it's not really going to matter, as Jacob had just mentioned. It sound the the more we talk about it, and that kind of sparked my memories. Like, oh yeah, they're pulling a Tampa Bay, so um, we'll we'll see, and we'll see if he's there, there is a problem worth though. it. What's that? If he's ready to come back, and Team Doctors say he's ready to come back, they Vegas can totally be fined uh, draft picks or our additional salary for cap circumvention, similar to happen what happened with Ilya Kovalchuk. Hmm. So, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how, how long the recovery takes. And uh, I have a feeling, Jacob, you are going to be right. It is going to take the full five months. <laughs> go, so, go ahead, Lou. No, 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 no. I, I, no, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be measured here. Um, do you think this is a good trade? Um, on its face, no, I don't think it's a good trade. Um, I, to be honest, I was scratching my head thinking, what is Vegas thinking? What do they see something we don't? Is he going to be ready to play a lot sooner than we think? And as Jacob just brought up, it does not appear they think he's going to be playing a lot sooner than we're expecting. Um, I thought that they were trying to do this to be able to help themselves in the regular season. I did not think at all that they might be banking on him to be able to return come playoff time. But aside, aside from that, they still have a few more years paying him $10 million each year for the rest of his contract. And that's going to be something that they're not going to be able to unload, which is going to be a huge problem, uh, you know, down the road as maybe they find he's not a good fit with this club. This is not a good system for him. Uh, coaching staff does not seem to be able to work with him. 
I, I really hope I'm wrong on that front. I really hope that he's able to, uh, you know, kind of right his own ship and be able to become more of a team player and, uh, you know, be able to contribute to a club, as we saw with Taylor Hall in Boston. It seems like he's found a, a working system there. I, I hope that that is the case for Vegas and for Jack Eichel here. Um, but I have my doubts that that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I want to get Jacob's take on it, but, um, um, <laughs> I, you know, there were certainly rumors very early on, um, before, well, really before the season started, that uh, the Rangers were you know, interested. Um, I'm only talking about them since I'm a fan. Um, and how the Rangers were going to have to give up Zabanajad and a couple of draft picks and one or two uh, second-tier players. <laughs> Buffalo got nobody. I'm, sorry, I'm, you know, um, who they got is are, are, are two second-tier players and, and, and future prospects for Jack Eichel. They gave him away. And unloaded $10 million in cash per year for a couple of second-tier players. That's what they were willing to take. So if the Rangers, who were rumored to have been giving, going to give away a top, top, you know, a number one center, and then to have that, that trade discounted all the way down to this is, is surprising to me and Jacob, your I think I think you're severely underestimating Alex Tuck and Peyton Krebs. Well, Alex Tuck isn't a goal scorer. He is a very big, strong power forward. And when he's allowed to be that, he is very effective. In the playoffs, he's very effective and has been every year for Vegas. He's been one of their best playoff their best and most consistent playoff performance for a long time because he's just hard to take off the puck. He doesn't do anything uh, special or flashy, but he mm-hmm. can play just good, solid hockey. And Peyton Krebs is fast. He was before he had a untimely um, ACL injury uh, mm-hmm. dur- during his draft year. He was a top five projected pick, and he fell down to mm-hmm. Vegas. And he's been. He's a top, he's a top tier prospect who is one or two years away from the NHL. I look. I don't. I don't disagree with you. I um, I absolutely um, am right there with you. But to me, it's um, this trade is severely discounted compared to what um, preseason uh, trade um, return on investment. Or oh yes. That's that's my thing. I have no. I take. I, I would love to have talked on on, on on any team that I had, you know. But what I'm looking at is Eichel value and what it what was returned as compared to what it was before the before the season got started. Well, I think the value. I, I think. Oh, go ahead, Jacob. The, the value now is just so was is now so low because of. All the mess that has happened. If if, it, if this is the standard Buffalo tactic, hold on to your player until they're really pissed. 
and then trade them <laughs> when their value is the lowest. Sorry, but that's just <laughs> yeah. They've done this so many times. It's just, yeah, they have. And there's different general managers almost every time, but it keeps happening. <laughs> How do you make the same well, mistake? And it, it's a different person making the same mistake, but the same organization. It's impressive. <laughs> I, I, I think going back to the the value of Tuck and Krabs <clears throat> when it comes to uh, you know what Vegas was trading. I also think you got to take into account that Vegas is so stacked that these two players may seem to kind of fly under the radar. They, they are, I think they are valued a lot more than most people give them credit for because you have the Marsh assaults um, of that club just overtaking them and, you know, it, you, you kind of lose sight of them. Not when you're playing them, but just like on paper, you kind of forget about Tuck and you forget about Krabs. Um and I think Buffalo was just so eager to be able to unload Eichel um, and his contract. They were really going to take anything that anybody would offer. And I, I think Vegas sees some potential uh, in return when he comes back off the IR that, um, that $10 million a year is, is going to afford them. And also one thing that I am very confused about for Vegas is, so they have that top line. And then they have a whole bunch of centers and that's it. After this season, Riley Smith is a UFA, and they're not going to be able to resign him. Mm-mm. Same with Matthias Janmark. So what are they going to do? Because And, and their bo- entire bottom six is in R- R- RFAs. Like, they're, they have six RFAs after the season, and three of them have arbitration <laughs> rights. And, and that's not even if mentioning uh, Brayden McNabb and Nicholas Haig. Uh, who are due for an extension. They have no money. Well, they're, they're going to have a lot less money here coming soon because they have, if you've taken a look at their, their roster, they have four players right now on the long-term injury reserve. They have, of course, Eichel, as we were mentioning right now. They have Matt, uh, sorry, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, and Jake Bischoff, all on the LTIR. Um, that's $27 million sitting on the LTIR right now that right now, yeah, it's, it's not counting against their cap, but they have no cap space right now. So once one of those players comes back, they gotta do something. No, they currently have 16 million in cap space. Do they? Yes. Because of the, because of the LTIR. Oh, because it, oh, okay. so gotcha. Typically, if uh, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty come back, it they'll be technically barely under the cap. They might have to do some something like send down a player or two. Yeah. Well, that that's going to be interesting to see uh, as things kind of progress there. Um, let's let's talk about. Um, Let's talk about something that happened in Tampa Bay. We got a two-game suspension to Sergachev for, I believe it was an illegal check to the head. Uh, Jacob, you, you tossed this in here. What, what, what's on your mind with this? Just a dirty play. The Toronto Maple Leafs are so <laughs> crippled already. 
<laughs> and I, I thought there was something special that you wanted to talk about. No, but. It, the only thing that's special is how bad Toronto's playing. And that was going to be a transition, but I just decided to say, no, we're just going to just rip on Toronto some, uh, some more. So everyone's underperforming on Toronto right now. Yeah. And I think that's a result of losing Hyman and Joe Thornton. Because now they have a whole bunch of score or a whole bunch of people who really want the puck in their hands or a puck on their sticks, and there's only one puck to go around at a time. So Toronto is just going to start declining, I think. Well, Toronto's won four in a row. They're second place in the Atlantic right now behind an undefeated, well, um, uh, unregular or unregulation loss, Florida Panthers. Um, they're only six points behind the Panthers again, they, who have gotten a point in every single I'd game. I'd also like to mention the teams that they did beat, including Tampa Bay, were Chicago, Detroit, and Vegas. <laughs> so, not exactly the best of the best, unfortunately. And in the games that they've lost, they lo- they've lost to teams that they absolutely shouldn't have. And they've kept been played very close to teams that they should have beaten by a large margin, like um, Ottawa in, t- in uh, Montreal. So, and even Chicago, they should have been. I, I don't know. I feel like everybody should beat Chicago right now. Yeah. Um, they're not. But they got taken to o- overtime. It's it's not looking pretty in the Windy City. I, I got to admit, I, I thought the pickup of Flurry was going to be a huge boost to them. And unfortunately, he he can't stop anything right now. Everything seems to be going in the net. They're a minus 17 goal differential. Um, they have they got four points, one win and two overtime losses, um, you know, Three points ahead of the winless Arizona Coyotes. Um, I, I don't know. I had higher hopes for Chicago. I had higher hopes for a lot of this division. I didn't see. Uh, I didn't see St. Louis coming. I gotta gotta say mm-hmm. for for the Central. But um, mm-hmm. going back to Toronto, I don't know. I, I feel like they're off to a sluggish start. I wouldn't say slow start. They're they're holding their own in a very tough Atlantic division. Barely. I, uh, they're, they're, they're a point ahead of Tampa Bay. They're a point ahead, or two points ahead of Buffalo. Um, I mean, th- this is a, a division that, I mean, we'll take out Florida because they're kind of running away with the whole thing. Um, but the core of that division that's been at the top for so long I think we all knew they were all going to be really, really close as they are every single year. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to step on you. No, I. It, it's like when you have teams like Detroit, Ottawa, and Montreal, and you've played Ottawa twice, Montreal once, and Detroit once. It. That's. Those are teams you should beat. They have they haven't actually been challenged that much yet, so we'll see um, as the season progresses. 
Detroit's not doing terrible this year. They're at they're at ten points. They're tied with Boston in point, points wise. Feasibly, they should beat Detroit nine times out of ten. They should. Detroit's a completely different team this year. Like, not not like one hundred and eighty degrees. They're gonna you know be a playoff contender, but maybe ninety degrees in that they're not going to be the absolute seller of the division. Um. So I I I think. We need to give Detroit a little bit more credit for that win. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just I don't see the panic button needing to be hit in Toronto. But again, I don't live in Toronto. I, I don't live in Canada where you guys live and breathe hockey. Um, so maybe it is time for <laughs> maybe it is time for the panic button to be hit up there in Toronto. I, I think the hand is <clears throat> hovering over the over the panic button. I keep, yeah, I keep thinking that, um, well, but, you know, I, I don't know how much different Toronto is from the rest of the league. Yeah. Um, you've got Carolina and the, and the Panthers who are, you know, playing lights out. Um, and then it's like everybody else. Um, yeah. Have, you know, uh, Pittsburgh got off to a fast start. Now they've trailed off. Uh, New Jersey got off to its, you know, typical fast start. Now they've started to tail off. Um, the, the team that's shocking me are the Chicago, uh, sorry, uh, San Jose Sharks. <clears throat> uh, the Sharks are, are, are playing above uh, expectations. Um, you know, um, so I, I had never thought of it in the perspective of everyone, you know, it's everybody there in, in Toronto wants the puck. Um, and you've, you predicted this, uh, Jacob, I think, you know, way back in the summertime, or before the summer uh, set in, uh, that Hyman, uh, Zach Hyman leaving was going to be um, um, a negative impact on, on the Maple Leafs. Well, I, I think it was, I think how I mentioned it, I was alluding to it being the start of the down to turn for Toronto because I yeah. Toronto missed their their window I think is closing and I it might have been, it might have already closed last season last season might have been the final chance and we don't know yet um, but their wins aren't really convincing with the exception of Vegas and Tampa but yeah it's it's looking a bit not, it's not looking great, mm. especially when you have a six and four record and you have a minus three goals goal differential with the forward with the start power that you have. All right. So, um, yeah, as long as we're kind of going through the, the standings here in the NHL, let, let's talk about we, we already talked about the central. We talked about the Atlantic um, and uh, the Metropolitan. Um, I don't know. This to me, this this kind of seems to be a little bit more of a stronger division than I was thinking it might be. When we have, you know, four teams within two points of each other. If we take away Carolina, that's that's a pretty close bunch. Or you know, uh, six teams within four points of each other. So um, not not a whole lot of separation. Again, not a whole lot of games played. Um, but even the New Jersey Devils kind of seem to be in competition right now. Um, to me, numbers, 
you know, the second and third spot in this division as we go towards the playoffs are going to be some of the more interesting races to watch in hockey in, in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, Lou, since your Rangers are here in the Metro, let's let's talk a little bit about them. Um, what were your expectations coming into the season? Um, expectations are that they make the playoffs. Um, I, I, I don't see them challenging for any sort of top spot uh, in, the, in the division. Um, where they've survived is Igor Shesterkin uh, in net. Mm-hmm. Um, he's through five, uh, well, it, it, he's won four road games this year, and he's, his goals against average is under one in those wins. Um, this guy just is it, ice cold, uh, ice in his veins, um, I think. Um, he doesn't, um, getting scored on is not that big a deal. He doesn't, I think, get down on himself. He, he does tend to rebound. Um, it was disappointing the other night in Vancouver. Uh, they had a 2 nothing lead. Army came back and hit them in the butt in the third period. They gave up two goals. And then uh, JT Miller scored the second of the game for the overtime winner for Vancouver. But uh, it was not a bad game. He stole the game. Uh, Shesterkin stole the game against the Maple Leafs um, to you know, tie a bow on that. Um, <clears throat> in that overtime win that Panarin scored the, uh, the game winner in. Um, and then there were a couple of games. Well, uh, it was the Ottawa game. Uh, Ottawa was was just controlling that game, um, and <laughs> uh, Rangers came back with three goals in, in what, three minutes and twenty seconds in the third period to take the game. And if it had not been for Shesterkin and Net, um, they would have lost that game as well. So that's that's really where they where their success has been. That and Chris Kreider's got seven goals so far this year on some nasty deflections. Just yeah. nasty deflections. It, I, it, I didn't even do that with a stick. <laughs> it, it has been an absolute joy to watch the Rangers this season. It's been exciting. It's I, I don't know. If I were a fan, I'd be totally pumped. I'm, I'm not a, I'm, I can't say I'm a fan of the Rangers. Again, I like good hockey. They're playing pretty darn good hockey right now. So, um, stoked on them. Since 1963. I know, the dis- <laughs> I know the history of disappointment. <laughs> and, and we're all just waiting for the inevitable. <laughs> hey, but you know what? You, you got to take pride in that they're playing well right now and you got to enjoy the, the product they're putting on the ice because it's, it's fun. Well, I think it's Gallant. Yeah, uh, absolutely. 100%. You hear, yeah, you hear his post-game, pre-game Pressers, um, he's very um, defensive of his team, as opposed to the John Coopers and uh, John Tortorellas and so many of the other uh, coaches in the NHL who need to have someone in the doghouse. I don't think that this guy's a doghouse coach. He's not. Um, Peter DeBoer, another one who's a doghouse coach. Um, This guy just... Uh, he's got his. He has his players' backs, um, and uh, that's a refreshing change. 
Uh, we're going to come back and touch slightly on the Metro Division, but I want to talk about the Pacific Division, one, because we haven't really touched them yet, and two, because the top team in that division happens to be in the hometown of Jacob Doherty. The Edmonton Oilers seem to be doing fairly well this season. Um, they're one point up on Calgary for the top of the Pacific Division. Um, Jacob, how are they making that happen? By breaking people's knees. I mean, besides that, how are they, you know, legitimately making that happen? By scoring four goals a game. <laughs> there we go. That's what I was getting to. Goal differential of 16. Um, I mean, really, the, the only crazier goal differential is, you know, Florida and Carolina. Carolina at 22. Ooh, yeah. that's like Tampa Bay numbers right there. But a 16, uh, a plus 16 goal differential in nine games. That's pretty. Ner- yeah. That's pretty darn good. It it's really nice to have depth scoring. <laughs> just having just having a, a tiny bit. You don't need a lot. Just that little bit is just so so good. Um, Warren Fogle, um, Zach Cassian, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins have been so great on their own line, and I'm really happy that they have done as well as. They have. Zach Cassian is shooting at a six. Oh, he only has five shots. Never mind. Um, <laughs> Pick another. Honestly, just anyone on that team. You can obviously yeah. talk about uh, Leon Dreisel and Connor McDavid. But hell, even uh, Jesse Pugliarvi and um, Tyson, Be- or just Evan Bouchard as well, has been just lights out. It, it's great. I'm really happy. Yeah. Uh, you know, as well as they're playing, I, I kind of have a, my eye set on a little bit lower in the standings as, you know, teams who are catching my eye. Um, we were talking about the California teams earlier. San Jose, I, I talked about them a couple of weeks ago. They're kind of a shock to me that they're playing as well as they are. I kind of wrote them off as not even being competitive at any point this season. Uh, Anaheim Ducks, I had some glimmer of hope that they would be competitive. They are definitely being competitive this season. Um, and then uh, the LA Kings I, I've written off and I think rightfully so, but, um, and then, you know, Vancouver and Seattle also all three at the bottom of that division, but um, it's not as lopsided as I thought it was going to be. Um, even with Edmonton in there, there's only a seven point differential between all eight teams. So, I mean, it's it's a fairly competitive division, albeit, you know, as we make it closer to the halfway point of the season, um, we're probably going to see a lot more of uh, separation between the quality long-haul teams and uh, L.A. Yeah, I'm very disappointed in L.A. They were my dark horse, um, most improved team. Come, you know, when we did that preseason show, um, I, I'm curious to ask, I'm going to put this to Jacob. Um, how long can Calgary go on? Although they, they sort of torched the Metropolitan Division on that road trip. How long can they continue this? I don't know. Um, because they are the kind of team that can drop off at the drop of a pin. Like they are a wildly inconsistent team. 
th they have been for this iteration of their roster with uh, Johnny Goudreau and Sean Monahan. Like, I have no idea what they're going to do, but it doesn't feel, for now, it does not feel sustainable. Uh, I just, I don't, I look at their defense and I'm a bit scared because, well, yes, they're scoring. They're putting up lots of points. I don't really know about how well their defense is going to hold, which has been their, one of their best qualities. They are, they have one of the best goals against in the league. So we'll see. Um, I'm more looking at San Jose and Anaheim to fall off harder, in my opinion. Um, because what happens it when someone actually finally kills Trevor Zegras? Because everyone's trying for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why him. He's not doing what anything. No. In, in San Jose, teams that get typically uh, get propped up on just insane goaltending like they have been. They are the first to fall. Um, you saw that with, uh, I think it was Buffalo last season. Um, when they had their... Annual December swing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, you, if, it's going to be interesting to look at the prognostications that we went through in the preseason and see what they're like at, at the midway point. Speaking of prognostications, I, I have one I'm going to toss out to you guys. Um, it's it's going to be like a, a saucer pass from a Verbero hockey stick. If you would like to pick up said Verbero hockey stick, head over to ProHockeyNews.com, click on the banner ad, and save yourself some money on those sweet sticks. Uh, one thing I want to toss out to you guys, and um, the guy's kind of been on fire recently, 10 goals in 10 games. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin climbing the goals leader ladder. Uh, try saying that five times fast. Uh, he is one goal behind Brett Hall, which he will get at some point this season. I doubt he's going to go goalless for the rest of the season. He is another six goals behind. Well, he is six goals currently behind Yamir Yager. Um, and then there's quite the jump. I'm sorry, not six. He's 26. Got to look at the digits correctly. 26 behind Yamir Yager. What are the chances that Alexander Ovechkin passes Yamir Yager this season? I'm going to start with Jacob. Do you want a percentage? Give me a percentage. 80% chance, I think. 80%? The way okay. he's playing is outstanding. It's, not, it, it's really great to watch Ovi play. I mean, it's always great to watch him play. Lou, what are what are the chances he scores another twenty six goals and or I guess it would be twenty seven and passes Yamir Yager? Forty percent. I just don't think that he can keep this. I don't know that he can keep the pace going um, and keep the body intact. The, the the Metro Division is a tough division. Um, Sometimes brought in a little bit heavier guns. Oh, I see what you're getting at. Yeah. Um, touch one of us, we'll touch one of yours. Don't do that with Chicago. Yep. <laughs> 
So I'm sorry, what was your... What, what? 40%. 40%. 40%. Okay. Yours, Richard. You know, I'm going 90. I have a lot of confidence he is going to score 27 more goals. That's going to put him at 37, which is, you know, a legitimate, reasonable expectation for, uh, for Ovechkin in a, reg- in a full regular season. He had 24 two years ago on a shortened season. Um, or sorry, last year on a shortened season. He had 48 in another shortened season. Um, so far, 10 goals in 10 games this season. I, I don't, he's not going to keep up the pace, obviously, but, you know, to have him score less than 40 goals in a season is, uh, is very much an off year for him. So um, I think uh, 90%, again, if he is able to stay healthy, that's going to be the key point. But no, we're not, we're, no. I, we're not trying to put that out in the universe, but um, I, I, I have full confidence that he's going to be able to maintain himself and play the game he plays so very well. All right, so for uh, for going from that, let's head over to our Bet99 picks. Jacob, you have five fresh games for us this week. Yes, I do. Why don't, why don't you let us know what those are, and we'll, uh, we'll make some, some uh, guesses on our well, own. Let me talk, tell you about our picks last week and how we all did. Ooh. So Lou and I did our, our average three and two. Richard, Richard, Richard. <laughs> I need to do better, don't I? At least you got Winnipeg, right? Mm. <laughs> Richard finished the week one in four. Hope looking for a bounce back. Well, you know what? I did I did my best on the first line. Uh, Adam and I went three and two, and Lonnie went one and four. So maybe Lonnie and I can you know flip around here and right the ship on our respective lines. It's a so, long season. All right. it, it is a long season. It's, it is not a sprint. It is a marathon. So keep that in mm-hmm. mind. I have time. And for our first game, we have the New York Rangers at the Calgary Flames. So I'll start with you, Lou. Who do you have? I, I have to. There is no question here. I'll take it over. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I, I can't. I, I just can't. can't Makes sense. Richard, who do you have? Oh, just uh, taking a quick glance here. Um, you know, I'm going to have to go with the Rangers as well. They're really good on the road. 5-1-1 one, and one, as opposed to the 1-0-3 at home for Calgary. Um, you know, they're kind of in a similar position in the standings. Yeah, I'm going to take the Rangers. Yeah, as much as I want to be the contrarian and to pick Calgary, I don't trust Calgary so I'm also <laughs> going to pick the New York Rangers. Exciting picks this week. Exciting. Hey, we had a unanimous decision for our first game last week with the Toronto-Pittsburgh game. So mm-hmm, We sure did. Or last. We all got that one ever so right. Yes. <laughs> um, next game, Philadelphia at Washington. Richard, I'll start with you this time. Oh, let's see. I think at, at any given time, you know, these two teams, it's kind of a coin flip. I think last time I picked Philadelphia just because I can't read them. Uh, I'm going to go Washington. I think uh, Ovi is going to get a couple of goals in this one and move past uh, past Hull and closer to Yager. Yeah, I'm going to take the Caps as well. I don't. The Flyers are incredibly difficult to read. 
I'm actually going to take the Flyers. Um, mostly because I think Carter Hart, I mean, he has been standing on his head this entire season for the most part. I think he has another game left in him for him to to win on his own. Now, the true barn burner, Boston at Toronto. Richard. Hey, you, you picked a Boston game. How you about that? Too. You don't have in to the, listen to me. In the pre-show, you said pick a Boston game. <laughs> you don't have to listen to me. <laughs> These are your picks. All right. Well, since you uh, put this one in there, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and pick it. Um, to be honest, I think I'm going to go with Toronto in this one. Uh, Boston seems to be just a little slow out of the gate. They're not terribly great on the road right now. Um, I, I think it, it's going to... I think it is going to be a close game, but uh, I think Toronto is going to edge this one out. Lou, who do you have? Boy, um, you and I, Richard, are going to have to pick something different at some point. So Boston is my Jacobs Toronto. Um, but I think Boston is not nearly as good as uh, Toronto. So I'll take the Leafs on this one. I hate the Boston Bruins much more than any team ever. <laughs> I'm just I'm just sad and disappointed with Toronto. Yeah, yeah. I no, I um I'm I'm with you. I, I think they're they're basically the same team. Wait, wait, am I reading this right on, on the screen here, Jacob? Yep. I am picking Boston, but I have put a frowny frowny face next to it. <laughs> I'm saving that and making it a ringtone. It's got to be a meme. <laughs> I am not happy about it. <laughs> so moving on. Yeah. Carolina at Florida. Oh, this is going to be a game of the day. This is the game. Lou, who do you got? I am going to take Florida. Because even if Bobrovsky does not play, um, uh, Knight is is right there, and Alexander Barkov is uh, playing somewhat possessed this season. Agreed. He's been on fire. Richard, give me the bunch of jerks. Oh man, this is this is a hard one. Yeah, this really is. I have absolutely no idea who to pick here because. I could make the case either or. Yeah, I just went opposite Lou because, you know, <laughs> you, have <to. laughs> you have equal chance either way. This is going to be just a phenomenal game tomorrow. Yeah, I might. I'm going to pick the Canes. I don't have a reason. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's as good a reason as any. <laughs> and our final game of the week is the Minnesota Wild at the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, Richard, who do you have? Let's see. Penguins are decent at home. Minnesota's pretty good on the road. I, um, you know, I'm going to go Minnesota. They've just they've played better than my expectations at this point this season. Yeah, fair enough. Lou? Same for me. Uh, Cam Talbot uh, playing really well in net. Um, the Wild just seem to have, it's not another gear, 
It's not like they're shifting, you know, gears or anything. They just have this je ne sais quoi about Clint in the third period. So I'll take the word. You know, Pittsburgh's been oddly good this season. And I don't know what it is about them. Um, they're just playing better defensively, better offensively than any of us, I think, would have expected, especially missing Crosby for this long. So with that being said, I'm going to pick Pittsburgh because of what I've seen so far. Although I have, I have a, I can see there's a very, very good chance that Minnesota has this. So that's it for the picks of the week. Please follow along on Twitter. Tell it at tweet at PHN podcast with your picks. If you want to follow along with us. Yep. And be sure to use the hashtag PHN picks to submit your picks and see how well you stack up against us. All right, gentlemen, parting thoughts, Jacob. Oh boy, the Edmonton Oilers. I'm so happy. I have not felt this much hope. I cannot wait for it all to get just cl- just destroyed right in front of my eyes. But <laughs> probably around March, right? I'm thinking April. Okay. I'm feeling good this year. I'm thinking April. Oh, oh there you go. Positivity. <laughs> <laughs> Lou. Um, I, I don't have much outside of saying that, uh, last week I got the third shot of Pfizer and, um, hoping that everyone else uh, stays safe. Uh, Crosby is now uh, out for another 10 days because he's on protocol, as is Mike Sullivan, uh, Penn's head coach. Uh, seven players were out for the, uh, the Sharks last week. But uh, their replacements just came from across the street. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so th- th- that's my parting thought. All right. Um, I- I'm going to give, uh, first of all, I just got my booster shot yesterday. I got the Moderna because I had the J&J. That was my second shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would uh, like to use my parting thought with uh, an update from a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about the ever so hipster coffee I ever had, the most hipster coffee I ever had. Uh, tried that new blend that I purchased from the coffee shop. Turned out to be magnificent. I absolutely loved it. It was just so tasty, so good. And Lou, I've I've already given you the the name so you could be on the lookout for it. Mm-hmm. Um, give it a try. It is it is pretty darn tasty. That does it for another episode of the Pro Hockey News Podcast. Thanks to all of our sponsors, LDE Affinity Jewelry, Verbero Hockey, and the Chicago Wolves. For Jacob Doherty and Lou Lafredo, I am Richard Cote, and I will see everybody next week.